Well, as I was uh, thinking about this message, uh, just the, a certain story I think will illustrate well um, what I think can happen for us today. I have the uh, real honor and privilege um, right now of coaching my second daughter Ashlyn's basketball team. And uh, that means third and fourth grade girls, man. And it is awesome. And uh, when my team got put together, uh, almost all of them are third graders. And only Ashlyn and another girl had ever played basketball before. So I got uh, about eight girls, you know, seven or eight girls who just haven't played. And it was, it was just awesome. So, so we come together and, and, and just having a blast and really starting right at the basics. Like, man, just dribbling the ball and figure out how to dribble. And then you guys remember bounce pass, right? You, do, you bounce it. You don't just throw it to people. You bounce it to them so they can get it. Um, talking about defense and how to get on each other. And, and it was awesome. So our games start and we get out there and play and they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> At all. I mean, and it was just a joy. It was just really fun as they're just trying to, trying to get it. It's like, so, I mean, we'd, we'd play defense and the girls are just kind of standing around, looking around. The other team's running in and they're scoring hoops and, all right, you know, good job. And, and then they'd get the ball and the basket's like right over there and they'd all just be hanging out out here and throwing the ball around. And I'd just be like, go towards the basket. Go towards the basket, you know. And then if somebody guards you, then pass it. And, but they just pass the ball around and get stolen. And so, we were getting killed, you know. <clears throat> and, uh, and then the last three weeks, we were playing, and it was just crazy. Like, I don't know what people are feeding these other girls, but the other teams are like giants. I, I'm serious. Like, even next year when our girls are fourth graders, they're not going to grow this much in one year. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was just crazy. And so we were going out there, and our girls were doing the best they can. And the other big girls, they just grabbed the ball, and our girls are jumping. They can't even reach it, you know. And... Uh, we're just, and so it was so sad. I mean, every time we go home, Ashlyn was just so bummed because we just lose all the time. And so I played my trump card and we prayed this week. <clears throat> and uh, no, but in here, and our prayer was, God, please help us to play somebody that's not so big. And um, so we show up Friday night for the game and I look over at the other end of the court and sure enough, it's all these big girls again. And I'm like, this is crazy. And then one of the cool things is they don't let you guard you until you get to the half court. So at least you get to dribble the ball half, halfway down the court. But as soon as you get to the half court, they have this real athletic girl, and she's awesome, and she's right there to steal the ball. And I'm like, this is just, it's just insane. And I'm telling you, I don't know what happened, but our girls rocked it Friday night. And so they came, and I mean, they were bounce passing around, and they get the ball, and they drive all the way. They were actually going towards the basket, and somebody come on them, and they'd bounce pass it around, and they were making shots, and their defense was hellacious. It was awesome, or tenacious, whatever you want to say. It was both of those things. And by the end of the game, this huge team and our little girls, and we won 17 to 5. Yeah. And I told you, I, I so wish I would have had Coach Cam uh, on my hat because when the game was over, if you could have seen these little girls, they, they were just beaming and they were so excited because they won. I mean, it was just, it was so fun. And why I shared that story with you guys is I think God has made it really clear to us that he wants us to win. He really does. He says that I'm going to send Jesus Christ and he's going to come into this world so that you can have life and have life to the full. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to send Jesus Christ into this world so that he can actually save you from the things in your life 
that keep you from totally living what you were created to. I want to save you from the stuff that's destructive and from the bents inside of you that don't bring you life. His whole goal, he does, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. And I want you to know that. I want you to win. There's a great passage in the scripture in that where it says, if anybody runs a race, everybody enters the race so that they can win the prize. And then it says, run the race so you can win. And man, after seeing my little girls, you know, just being, woohoo, it's so celebrated. I just so think God, as our coach, just wants to look at us and say, man, I want you to win. I want you to live the life you were created to live. So today, how do we win? How do we win? What do we got to do? How do we live the life that we're created for? And so this whole month, we've been going through this parable that you just saw. Because Jesus says, what happens is, it's like a sower, a farmer who goes out and he has the seed and he throws it all out. And then when he explains it, he says, the seed is the word of God. I'm going to throw my word out to all of you. And he says, if you'll, you have the actual opportunity of receiving this word and having it create within you the life you were supposed to have. So I was thinking before we uh, end this series today, again, to make sure when he throws out the word, what is that? Well, see, in, in Matthew, it says what he throws out is the message of the kingdom of God. There is a completely different message that Jesus Christ brought into the world than the one that's human wisdom. See, humans, we're constantly trying to figure things out. We're trying to figure out how to make our life work and our marriages work and how to feel fulfilled in our life. In fact, oh, you guys, how many of you were in our baptisms yesterday? Oh, I mean, unbelievable. Was that not an unbelievable day? I mean... The rest of you missed it, man. We, we actually bought a pool and we stuck it right here where you guys are sitting. We filled up this auditorium with a pool and then the whole rest of the place was packed. But one of the things that kept coming up over and over and over again is people t- said their stories. I was so tired of trying to make my life work. And so I finally am giving up on that and I'm going to let God take my life. So this message of the kingdom, that Jesus, this word that he wanted to share with everybody is the message of God. The kingdom of God is God's ways. And here's the first and most important thing that you must hear from God's word to you. And it's this. He perfectly, deeply, absolutely, completely loves you. And there is nothing that he won't do to bring you back into the life that he created you in the first place to have. And I'm telling you, when every seed that comes out from God starts with that right there, I love you and I want you to have that. And then the word goes a little bit deeper and he says this, and here's the problem. None of you are connected to me. So I have this great life that I want you to experience, but all of you are disconnected from that life, from this love that I want to give you. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. See, when he cast the word and when he taught the word, he did way more than just teach it. He lived it. He lived it. Listen to this in John chapter one. It says, the word became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. 
See, so that's why for thousands of years, people look back and they go, that life that, that Jesus Christ lived, unbelievable. Why? Because everything he taught, he actually did. It was his life. So when you take his word, his teachings, and you bring them into you, what happens is his very life starts to take place in you. So Jesus said, I throw out my word all the time, but there's these different soils. There's good soil, he says. And the good soil hears my words and accepts them, okay? And then it says, it doesn't just accept them, believe in them. They actually hold on to them. They they actually do what the word says. And he says, and every time you do what my word says and you keep doing it, you win. See, that's what's so cool. When I look back at my little girls, you know what they were doing? They were listening to me. Now that's a miracle. I mean, seriously, because when we first started coaching, they, they were like, they just didn't get it. And a lot of them didn't care. But what's so wild is I was shocked at how many times they did bounce passes and it worked. See, and Jesus is constantly telling us, you guys, this is how you live a life connected to God. You were created for this and this is how you do it. And every time we actually listen to the spiritual coach, if you want to call him that, and do what he says, oh my gosh, it works. You win. So there's good soil that accepts it, that believes it, that actually does what he says. And when you do what he says and you keep doing it, he says you produce this life that's fruitful 30, 60, 100 times. A life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Here's the other thing, though, that's really important. I want to speak, all of you who already kind of believe in Jesus, is your life fruitful like that? But he also says this, if your life is fruitful, it's productive. Your life is productive. How? Every life that lives the life of Christ inside of them, every life that's doing that helps other people take one step closer to God. That's how God now reaches this world is he says, let me live in you. Let me fill you with my love. Let me fill you with my joy. Let me fill you with what is right. Take my teachings and actually do them and watch what'll happen. You know what'll happen is you, I will use you and you'll help others take one step closer to God. Oh, you guys, yesterday in the baptisms, that was one of the most beautiful things, is to see people who would come into my office like six and seven years ago, who were just, who didn't get Jesus at all, and who were so far away from him, and just happened to pop into K2. And as they listened here, and continued to seek after him, eventually they said, I accept it, I believe it, and they brought Christ into their life. And then, you know what was so cool? Is yesterday, they were baptizing other people. How cool is that? I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, there's nothing better than knowing that God actually used you to bring somebody else closer to him. That's what it's all about. So then he says, so that's what should be happening. That's good soil. And then he says, but there's some hard soil. And that's when my word comes out and people put up arguments and pretensions against it and they 
They just can't understand it. And the enemy comes and he just takes the message and it doesn't make any sense. And then there's, last week there's rocky soil. And rocky soil is really shallow. So people go, hey, that sounds cool. And they get really excited about it, but their roots don't go down deep. And hard times come and then they just, they just bag it. And today, what we're going to talk about is the thorny soil. And the thorny soil, you guys, is so critical. And I just want to tell you, I had an amazing week this week. Personally, God just, oh, I just, oh. I want you to know him so bad. I was reminded last week that there's so many of um, you who do believe in him, but man, hearing his voice, really being loved by him, sensing him coming into all of your, all of your life, this isn't happening for you yet. I want that for you so bad. I just, God was so gracious to me personally this week. We met as a staff and both our spiritual advisory board and our business operations board on Wednesday night. And I'm so weird. I had this agenda, you know, we were going to get through this meeting and we got to the prayer part. We started praying and then like God showed up, you know, like sometimes he actually interrupts your meetings. It's a real bummer. But I'm telling you, he, if you talk to anybody who was there that night, I mean, people were closing their eyes and they were praying. They felt like if they would have opened them, they would have seen him. That's how thick he was in our presence. That's so good. And so I had that kind of week, and then I was prepping for this message, and it was hard. <laughs> I'm like, what's up with that? Sometimes I study, and God goes, hey, say this. I'm like, cool. You know, I'm just trying, trying to keep up with him, you know? And then there's days like this week where I'm like, I know what this says, and it was a battle all week long. You know why? I think. I think the reason this was a battle is because God wants you to win. He so wants you to get it and to get him. He really wants love and joy and peace and patience to infuse your being. And more than anything, he so wants to live in you to help other people get closer to him. And I think the reason it was such a struggle today because on the other side, there's an enemy who comes and says, I don't want that happening. I don't want you to experience the fullness of life. In fact, that's what Jesus, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you could have life. There is a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your marriage. There's a battle for this world. And um, today's going to be a battle. You guys ready to fight? Because the fight is a fight of faith. You just got to fight to believe. What's the work of God? Jesus said the work of God is to believe. And we got to dive into this thorny soil. Because I think all of us have some thorns in our soil. And we need to see if he'll help us get them out. Okay? So let me pray and then let's dive in. Father, in these few minutes, come and speak and move powerfully. Do what I can't do and actually speak to the heart and the soil of everyone in this room. And accomplish your will and your desire for every one of us to really know you.
In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read it again. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, and they choked the plants so that they didn't bear any grain. And Jesus explains it, and he says, Still others, like seed among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in, and they choke the word and they make it unfruitful. See, what's really interesting here is Jesus makes it really clear. There's a problem in our lives. And he goes, the problem is you're unfruitful. You've actually grown up, but this love and joy and peace, all that kind of stuff is not actually growing in you. That's, that's, this is actually good news, you guys. See, Jesus sees that as a problem. Isn't that good? <laughs> See, I'm, I'm grateful that he sees increasing in my likeness, if you have the seed inside of you, should be happening. That's a really good news. He goes, but for a lot of you, you're unfruitful. And, and let me just say the other thing. There's a lot of you in this room who would call yourself a Christian, and yet you have maybe never helped anybody take a step closer to God. And he wants you to. That's his whole desire, is to love others through you. So he says there's a problem here, and you're unfruitful. And then here's what's really interesting, you guys, about the uniqueness of this soil. See, there's a problem with the hard soil. It's hard. It's rocky. No, it's not rocky. That's the second one. It's hard. It's a path. It falls and it can't penetrate. There's a problem with the second soil. That soil's rocky. And because of that, it's really shallow. And so there's problems, he says, with your heart. It's either hard or it's shallow. Here's what's interesting about the soil, the thorny soil. There's no problem with the actual soil. Things are growing. It's actually growing up. So many of you in here, you're like, man, you, I want God. And you do, and you, you're here because you want to know him more, because you want to grow. There's something inside your soil, inside your heart, that actually is really good. See, it's so interesting that the problem isn't the soil. What's the problem? The problem is there's competition in the soil. See, you want God but you want other things too. <laughs> it's like, man, wouldn't this be cool if I could just have the American dream and then like, Jesus? That'd be awesome. <laughs> or, man, if I could have Jesus and just, but all these other things. And so it's so crazy. We want certain things. And so what happens in this, in this soil, the seed goes in and it grows up and other things grow up with it. And he says, and when that happens, guess what? Those things choke off the actual life of Christ in you. And it's interesting, the word choke literally means they enter in. It's like you have this full heart, this space where God is living and you want that. Some of you want him so bad and you're wondering, why don't I have more fruit? Why am I not more impactful? And thankfully, Jesus says, can I share something with you? It's because as much as you want me, you want other things equally. And that's a problem. Because those other things, without you even meaning to, they can just come in and they can demand your attention. They can demand your devotion. They can demand your heart. And before you even know it, you're giving it to them. And next thing you know, this life of God Gone. 
I still believe in him. I still go to church. I still even read my Bible, but I don't have any fruit. So the thorny soil is critical that we figure this out. So he says, what are the thorns? What are the things that enter in and choke out our faith fruitfulness? What competes with you for God in your heart? Jesus said these three things. Worrying about this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and desiring other things. Worrying about this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and desiring other things. Life's worries, life's uh, riches, and life's pleasures. They choke us out. Okay, let me just, let me just really quickly walk through how's that happen. What's, what's the problem? These are the things that compete for us. Why not worry? Isn't that wild? How many of you worry? Okay, good, you're human. It's, it's weird though because it's so interesting how so clearly the Bible says don't do that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Philippians 4, he says don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, present your request to God. With thanksgiving and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, the problem, why he says, how does worrying choke out my life with God? Because when you worry, you guys, right? When you're worried about something, what happens? It consumes your thoughts, doesn't it? So instead of your mind being full about how much God loves you and how he cares for you and the peace that he brings you, instead, worries come in and they choke that out. You can't even think about God. You can't think about your kids. You can't think about anything because you're worried about everything. See, it chokes it. It enters in. And here's what's crazy. And so Jesus says, don't worry. Write down Matthew 6 if you're a worrier. Go home and read Matthew 6 if you're a worrier. Y'all raise your hands. Write it down. (laughs) Matthew 6. Read this. Because Jesus says, why are you worrying? Don't you know how valuable you are? You are so much more valuable to God. And he goes, and how many of you have added another day because you worried so much? In other words, he's going, how's that working for you? Isn't that crazy? It's not working. And he says, don't do it. It's choking the life out of you. Second thing he says is be really careful about the deceitfulness of riches. Here's what's crazy, you guys. Riches lie to us. Money lies to us. You know, one of the things that money tells us If you had just a little bit more, your life would be better. How many of you think that's true? Oh, raise your hands. I mean, we all, because we do. I mean, there are studies that show. They they, uh, interview people who make a certain amount of money, and then they ask them, okay, now how much money would be just enough? And it's always this much. And then they ask this group of people, how much money would be just enough? this much. And they just keeps going on. You guys, we always think that if I had just a little bit more, then my life would be better. And that's a lie. Now, money might make your circumstances better. It does not make your heart better. Write that one down. Money might make your circumstances better it will never make your heart better. In fact, Jesus said, those who are rich, it's like for the rich, people who have a lot of stuff, it's like a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. It's so impossible for for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. For a rich man 
to love God with all of his heart and to love other people and to live to serve and to live to be generous because that's the kingdom of God, to be like God. When a person has lots of money, it is so hard to do that. (laughs) Now, here's the really good news because then the disciples go, well, then who can be saved? And he says, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. But don't you ever think that if you have more money, your life's going to be better. The interviews are countless of the people who got more and more and more, and they became more miserable. Let me talk to you Christians real quick, because what we think is, man, if I just got a little bit more money, then I'd be generous, right? I mean, if God would just, come on, just, I'm, I'm on a tight budget, and if God gave me just a little bit more, then I'd start tithing. Then I would actually give. And do you guys know? That's a lie. Because again, studies have shown that people who make more money give less. Seriously. The more money people make, the less money they give. Why? Because money is so alluring. And the more of it you get, the more of it you want. It's just weird. So the reality is, Jesus said, the widow who gave just the little coin. So you don't have to have more money to be generous. Generosity is just a state of your heart has nothing to do with how much you make. And if you think you'll be generous, if you get more money, you're totally fooling yourself. If you're not generous now, you definitely will not be when more money comes. It's captured you now. It will totally bind you if you get more. It's a lie. Why am I not fruitful? Why is there not joy and peace and freedom? Why hasn't God used me more? Because riches have got you. And they're choking that life out. And then the third thing he says is, the other thing that comes in are the desires for pleasures. The desire for other things, life's pleasures. And you guys, here's what's really crazy about pleasures is there's really usually nothing wrong with them. Now, there's some that are evil and just dead wrong. You guys know what those are. Deal with those. (laughs) I think what he's talking about here is all of us have things that we just enjoy. And in all reality, they're just neutral. In fact, what I love and what is pleasure to me, I know many of you hate. I love sports. And some of you are like, God, would you stop talking about sports? I love them. And they can capture me. And here's what's crazy. Is there anything wrong with sports? No. Is there anything wrong with music? No. Is there anything wrong with nature? No. Is there anything wrong with relationships? No. There's so many things. And I think God goes, these are all good. In fact, I'm the one who actually thought of pleasure. It's kind of cool. Problem is, you're pursuing pleasure more than you pursue me. And here's what can happen. Without even knowing it, you've taken something that could even be good, even a gift from God, but you've pursued it to the point where it's captured your time and your heart and your thoughts And the next thing you know, you want that more than you even want to be with your spouse. You spend more mental energy thinking about that hobby or that thing that you enjoy. And then your kids come home. You're like, hey, cool. How are you doing? Great. Got your homework done yet? All right. Let's get to bed. See, things that weren't necessarily evil in of themselves, they can lure us in and they choke out the love that God has for us and the kingdom of a life that makes an impact. And Jesus says, why are you not more fruitful? Because there are worries and riches and pleasures. 
that compete for your heart. Now, what do we do about that? This is, I'm, uh, man, I wish I could just sit with you after the service for an hour and just share with you what God told me this week. I just feel like God was saying to me, David, here's the deal. You are never going to pull those weeds out until you really believe that the life I offer you is better. And you're never really going to stop worrying until you really believe that I love you as much as I'm telling you I do. Because as soon as you don't think I love you, if as soon as you don't think I care about you, you will start caring about yourself. And good luck with that one. Because now the burdens come and now the weight comes because you think it's up to you. So you guys, what do we do? The most critical thing that you and I can do is I, your pastor, following Jesus for 30 years, still to this day, have to meet with him every day. You know why? Because the worries of this life and the luring of possessions and riches and pleasures of this world come after me all the time. As, as, as Lad said a few months ago, it's like the world speaks our native language. When the world says, oh, have this and this will give you what you need, something inside of us goes, yeah. And we just go after it. The kingdom of God, the message of God is that your soul actually longs to love. To give itself away. And the world says, no. Don't you dare think that God's going to take care of you. You better worry about it yourself. And we bite and it chokes our life. Don't you dare think that being generous and sacrificial and giving your life away, those riches and spiritual riches that God talks about, no, you don't need, man, you need more stuff. You just need more money. You need a raise. You need a better job. And it consumes you and it chokes you off. I want to feel good now, God, now. And it's so easy because this world in America provides us how to feel good now. And then we pursue that. And so, what do we got to do? I have to spend time all the time with him. That's why we told you yesterday, last week, get in his word and let him speak to you. Let him tell you how much he loves you. Let him show you what is truly life. Let him reveal to you what he created you for. Be here every week. Get in a life together group because I'm telling you, every moment of every day out in that world, as soon as you walk out of this building, the world is going to start to creep in and choke. And how are you not going to choke? How are you going to keep your heart open? You have to worship him all the time. And you have to keep reminding yourself of who he is and who you are. I always have to say, you are and I'm not, but you are. And this week, because I was just sitting with him, I felt like he finally said, David, you have no idea still how much I love you. And you have no idea the life and the impact I want to have through you. And that's why when you pursue this other pleasure and you devote your time and your energy and your thought to that, it's not okay with me. The thing in itself I could care less about. What I care about is your heart. So you guys worship him. Spend time with him. Let him share with you how much he loves you. 
keep your heart into a humble place of believing that he's for you. And then you've got to do the down and dirty, hard work of pulling the weeds out. I'll be honest with you, I'm still wrestling with what he shared with me this week. Do I really believe if I uproot these things that my life would be more fruitful? And do I really believe that I want my life to be about eternal things and people's lives more than my own pleasure? Answer that question, you guys. What do you really believe you were created for? What do you really believe will bring you life? More stuff, more pleasure, or living a life of love that changes the world. So, you may have some things you need to pull out. And if you pull them out, if I'll pull them out, I think we'll discover the life that we were created for and a God who loves us and can't wait to show us how good that life is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for caring about each person in this room and that you want them to win. Thank you that you give us your word, that you teach us and that you train us. Help us by your grace to God to take what you say, to hold on to it, to actually do it and to see that your ways are right and good and that our soul does actually thirst for you. God, every time somebody takes the risk of opening your word, opening the Bible, going to a Life Together group, taking a K2U class, coming here on Sunday morning. God, every time we come to sit and drink, would you rain your love and your grace on us and remind us that this world and the lures that come here will not give us the fruitful life that you have for us. Give us the strength and the courage to pull the weeds. In Jesus' name, amen.